0: The Demand Generation Club podcast is back, and we're turning up the heat with season three. Get ready for insightful conversation with experts from Splash, TrustCloud, Cloud, WorkRamp, UserGems, and more as we dive deep into B2B marketing approaches that are making an impact in 2024. This podcast is brought to you by SaaS MQL, the SaaS growth agency that helps B2B software companies land seven figure deals with highly targeted multi channel campaigns. Since 2018, SaaS MQL has helped over 100 SaaS companies generate millions of dollars in sales pipeline and recurring revenue. To learn more, go to sasmql.com.
1: So I'm here today with Jennifer Durishin, who is the head of marketing at Prodigal. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the Demand Generation Club.
2: Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Fantastic.
1: So from right away, I want to ask you, how did you end up becoming the head of marketing at Prodigal?
2: Uh, Well, it's after years of working in marketing. I started my marketing career at a CPG company called Abbott Nutrition and made my way over to, to be at a corporate big corporation and then made my way over to startups. And I absolutely love it.
1: How did you get from uh, consumer companies to, to B2B? What kind of attracted you there?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an experience. So I started with B2C and then I got experience B2B to C. So through agencies, insurance agents specifically, and then the consumers, and then was more specifically focused on just insurance agents. And so that's where I got my B2B experience. And so that's what kind of got me hooked on B2B. So I absolutely think it's, it's a blast. And we're always learning something new and pushing hard every single day.
1: Yeah. And I'm noticing that once you get to B2B, you never go back to, to B2B. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. I think it's similar to with B2B and also startups. I mean, once you get the startup bug, you just never want to go back. So I would say those are both the same.
1: So what are your responsibilities uh, at Prodigal?
2: Yeah. So like you said, I'm the head of marketing here at Prodigal. I've been here over a year now. Uh, lead all things marketing. So whether it be brand, demand gen, uh, lead gen, PR, everything in between, design, content, product marketing, we got, we got the whole side. Right now, I even have BDRs reporting through marketing. I don't think it matters where they report to as long as we have good connection but even have that and even have a UX designer on my team. Pretty awesome, uh, no dull moment and always more to do than we have time for. So prioritization is really key. And how big
1: is the company? How big is Prodigal?
2: So we're less than 5 million ARR, but growing really well. And so really excited to keep on growing and scaling this company.
1: And how many people more or less uh, in terms of employees?
2: Um, we have about 60 to 70 people full-time at okay. Prodigal right now.
1: Perfect. I always like to ask this question is what is your favorite tech stack as a head of marketing?
2: Yes, it's funny because we use so many as marketers these days and I've had multiple tools. And uh, But my favorite one purely because of the user experience is HubSpot. I've used Pardot, I've used Marketo. I think HubSpot is just very easy to use, review, and even get some of the reporting from it. So. I really enjoy it. And I think it's a pleasant experience.
1: I 100% agree. I used to be you know, a Salesforce marketer person, but then by now I'm fully converted to HubSpot as well.
2: Yeah. And their um, marketing's pretty good too. I, I love their content marketing. I think they're a great case study for all of us in B2B as well.
1: Obviously, working in a company at that stage, like right, you're 60, 70 people, I'm sure you have to be very, very careful with with the marketing budget and be super, super selective on how you spend it. I would like to know from you, like, how are you able to successfully generate engagement, leads, pipeline opportunities with limited budget, right? That every startup has in in marketing. How do you approach?
2: It? Yeah, so great question. I think for us, and probably like a lot of SaaS companies. Too. I mean, today are got to be watching your budget and it's got to do more with less. Maybe your budget remains flat, so that's good, but how do you squeeze and get more out of it? And so, one of the things that we're doing is also leaning into the channels that are working. We know events is our number one lead, you know, where we get our best leads, most qualified leads. And so, we're obviously looking and evaluating those events where we do best, but also reevaluating. Do we actually need to exhibit at every one of you know at the ones we've exhibited in the past? Or can we just attend? We know enough people. Or, hey, we stopped sending our big booth because, frankly, that was just a lot of money. <laughs> and shipping is crazy. We don't need to send that anymore. We have like a tabletop exhibit. And that's totally fine. And then one thing we're really trying to do more of, too, is because we know thought leadership is really important in B2B. And you can't always be just pushing your product, but really empathizing with your customers or your prospects and their pain points. And so we're really working closely with even event organizers to submit more speaking opportunities. Obviously, not just us as a vendor, but with our customers and be on those channels so we can get our name out there in different ways. So we're making a really concerted effort to get more speaking opportunities on those panels accepted
1: are you really planning for next year events or is a
2: uh... yeah no that 2024 calendar started and frankly i mean some of these speaking opportunities like they try to plan you know six months in advance so also we're studying hey what are some of those topics that we know are you know really hot ones so we're an ai company we've been an ai company before chat and so how do we lean into that because we know a lot of people have questions about how do i use ai in my business so we can leverage that and make Get, on, get those opportunities to get in front of those audiences and, and lend lend our expertise.
1: From this, you mentioned something when we were talking, Jennifer, about being also selective on who you target. Because as a Series A or Series B, Series C startups, you cannot target too many industries, too many types of companies, right? You have to be very, very focused on, on your target. How do you strategize around your ICP?
2: So great question. So I didn't even really tell you what Prodigal does or who we are. So we're a very- Vertical SaaS company, Series A specifically means we're venture back and vertical SaaS meaning we're targeting one specific segment, one specific industry, and that's consumer finance for us. And so, what we're doing is we're targeting those companies uh, to modernize the loan and lending, the lender servicing and loan operations lifecycle, and bringing software and intelligence to those players. So it can be anyone from collection agencies, auto finance companies, revenue cycle management companies, anyone who has a customer interaction With any sort of company where they're talking about money, car payments, medical debt, credit card debt, anything. And so there's a lot of different companies in that space, all with that through line of a vertical fast of the consumer finance industry. And so what we're doing, even though our customers, I named a bunch of different types of customers that would be applicable for us. The hardest thing is those customers, even though they're in our vertical, they don't go to the same conferences. They don't read the same publications. So what we're doing, trying to do more with less too, is really doing a lot of quick testing and learning and saying, okay, hey, let's go after collection agencies, kind of where we started, where we've been successful early on. And then, hey, we're seeing some good progress with auto finance companies. We know prices of cars are going up, interest rates are going up. So how do we then target those? And the last one is our healthcare, medical debt keeps going up. It's usually unplanned. But a lot of hospitals outsource their billing and collections to third-party revenue cycle management companies. So we're seeing some good success with those. There's not a ton of those. So how do we double down and go after them as much as possible? and help them with their needs. So we're super excited about that, but feed is the name of the game here too and identify those most likely prospects that we can convert.
1: These are obviously three different segments that you guys are targeting and you have to build I'm assuming different messaging, the value proposition is different. How do you manage to run three or more parallel campaigns when you are, you know, you don't have a large team in house?
2: Believe it or not, their pain points are all very similar. They're they're struggling to hire people to fill these roles. They they can't retain them. It's hard to train them or they leave a lot. And so they're, they're, they have a lot of pain in the hiring space. All of these industries too, they're compliance driven because they're regulated by a federal agency. Minimizing compliance, maximizing revenue, or minimizing expenses are all areas that they're all have that similar through line. It's just some of the language we use is different. Instead of calling them a borrower, we'll call them patients. And so we try to rinse and repeat as much as we can with our content, but make sure it applies to that specific persona and that specific segment that we're going after.
1: One more question on this is, obviously all of three segments will require budget, right? How do you shift budget between one segment to the other? Do you look at revenue-generated pipeline, leads? How do you decide how to distribute your marketing budget?
2: Yeah, I mean, so at the end of the day, it's coming down to like back to that testing and learning. We're running a couple of campaigns, you know, simultaneously and then saying, hey, what was that cost per lead? Which of those is converting over to SQL? Which of those is converting over to up? Which of those is converting to close one? And then saying, okay, how do we go back back after that, if it's been successful, And we're doing the best there. How do we go after another set of prospects in that same industry segment? And so that's kind of how we're doing it, measuring and learning every step of the way. And then when we see something that's working, focusing our attention on that before we find that next best opportunity.
1: You mentioned something at the beginning of the episode, which is you have your SDRs or BDRs reporting to marketing. How did you make that decision? And what is exactly the role?
2: So like I said, too, that's just what we're doing right now. I think there's been a lot of debate in the B2B world, especially in the SaaS world too, about who should they report to—the fun headline. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. What's most important, and we're seeing some good success, is that making sure the BDRs and SDRs. Because sometimes people say BDRs inbound, sometimes SDRs outbound. We're not as strict about that here. But how do we make? that there's good alignment and that they're aware of what marketing campaigns are running so they can quickly follow up with any engaged accounts with a personalized message and outreach, whether it be call or email or reaching out to them on LinkedIn. And we're seeing that good connection is really, really key to get some movement and then get those warm leads over to our account executive and sales team.
1: So they are only focused on warm leads. They don't go after cold prospects or accounts.
2: Right now, we've got a Enough. Uh, work for them to be following up with those engaged accounts. And so we are trying to get more BDRs because we're seeing some success and there's enough volume that we need more people to handle some of this. So that's what's working right now. I
1: have one more question on that. So how do you make them prioritize different lead sources? For example, when you have an event that you're sponsoring, but you also have leads coming from your content or from your ads, who do they go after first? Do you have a scoring system or like how do you help them prioritize?
2: Right now, we're just having weekly calls. I just got a of one earlier today just to say, okay, this is the focus. We just finished this. This is what's coming up next because the campaigns we're running, This should be the top priority accounts right now. We haven't formalized it with a scorecard, but we'll certainly be heading that way. Our team is not huge, so we can talk through it together. Like I said to it, some of these uh, B2B SaaS companies, there's always more work to do and not enough time to do it. And so prioritization is the name of the game.
1: So I have a few more questions for you, Jennifer. The first one is, what are some of the initiatives that you're going to focus on for the next few months?
2: Two things. All of us in marketing are talking about AI, you know, obviously our company uses AI and our products and services, but we as marketers know there's a lot of opportunity there. How do we leverage it to help us do more and go faster? One thing we know today is AI is probably just going to get better over time and a lot of these services, but help it to do that initial outreach. But we know it's not the final product. So we need a human in there to tweak it and, and customize it and make sure we all look like we're smart and done a lot of research. So that's number one, just getting better about testing and learning in that space. And then number two, I'm actually hiring an event and content marketing manager. So if you know of any good candidates or anyone would love to join our team. I'm hiring. And like I said, Events is right now our number one lead channel. So really, really important role for us.
1: What is one thing that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career in B2B marketing?
2: In B2B marketing, the number one thing in in a career, in a business career, I'll just broaden it a little bit, is always be networking. No matter what, even if you're doing great in a role, you want to make sure you're always reaching out. You don't want to just forget about people. You never know when your paths are going to cross again. And so it's maintaining your personal brand, making sure you continue to network because that's how a lot of business gets done these days. So I would say that's the time and the effort to make sure you're always networking, even a couple of times a week.
1: Again, for the people that are at the beginning of their demand generation and B2B marketing career, what is one mistake they should avoid, in your opinion?
2: I think the biggest mistake in B2B is that people say, oh, it's so different from B2C. You know, we're not talking to consumers. And it's like, well, Well, actually, in B2B, we know at the end of the day, we're still selling to humans and humans buy from other humans. And so we have to think about leveraging more of the B2B marketing tactics and pulling them over to B2B. I think that's going to make us even better marketers over time and help us grow even more. So don't uh, minimize B2C in that
1: space. I 100% agree. Jennifer, it was great speaking with you today. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge with the Demand Generation Club. I really appreciate
2: it. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. That was a lot
0: of fun. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Demand Generation Club podcast. If you're curious about how we're landing enterprise deals and unlocking millions in recurring revenue using account-based marketing and integrated direct mail campaigns, check out our website, sasmql.com. That's s-a-a-s-m-q-l dot We share tons of content every week on tried and true strategic ABM initiatives that actually generate pipeline from enterprise accounts. Thanks for tuning in.